0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the seventeenth chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light, and behold, and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are some experiences in life that are just too much to take in. There are some sights that are like that. Maybe you've been to a big canyon, like the Grand Canyon. It is an overwhelming experience. It's something so big, and yet so near, and so unlike anything in normal, everyday life. You look out, and you can't believe what you're seeing. Your mind tries to put it all in a box, but it can feel like you're just looking at a picture. And it can seem unreal that one step forward would drop you thousands of feet to that little stream at the bottom. You can't absorb it all. It's breathtaking. There are some events in life that are like that as well. Weddings can be like that. The guests at a wedding reception may remember it for its food, but it is commonly such an overwhelming experience for the bride and groom that they forget to eat. I don't remember what we had (laughs) for dinner at our wedding. Not only are you making such monumental promises that can reduce you to tears or leave you speechless, but you are in the company of family and friends and acquaintances and people you've never met who are all there for you. It's a collision of worlds, and there is such a build-up to it it can be too much to take in. The same thing goes for the birth of a baby. Nine months of waiting and imagining what this little person will be like, and then all of a sudden you're holding a tiny baby, a tiny human being, in your arms, and you can't make sense of his little fingers and his little toes, and you begin to realize that suddenly you have a ton more responsibility than you did before. It is too much to take in. Funerals can be like that, too. So many folks find themselves saying, I still can't believe that it's true, that he or she is gone. And yet here we are, with a casket and a grave, and it's so final and so devastating, and you are never really prepared, even if you see it coming. And you can feel like you are just in a haze, a waking dream, like you're just being swept along, and you don't know which end is up. There are some experiences in life that are too much to take in. One of the hallmarks of such experiences is the confusion of emotions that we can feel. So you're standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon and you can be in awe at the size and the beauty and the grandeur, and you can at the same time feel this despair because you are so small and insignificant. Or you're at your wedding or the birth of your child and you're crying tears of joy. Why are you crying? It's such a happy occasion. The truth is you don't know why you're crying. It's just too much to take in. I think that considering all of this helps to make sense of what Peter and James and John experienced on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now if you're confused about what exactly is happening on that mountain, you're not alone. Peter and James and John were more than confused. Look at how it goes for Peter. One moment, he is overwhelmed by how wonderful the experience is, that he talks about building some tents, one for Jesus and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He wants them to stay there forever. Peter is overwhelmed by the sight of Moses and Elijah and the glory of Jesus, and it is just so wonderful that he never wants it to end. But even as Peter is talking, before he finishes His sentence, God interrupts him. There was this bright light, bright cloud, and a voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And suddenly the experience wasn't so wonderful anymore. Suddenly it was terrifying. Peter and James and John fell on their faces, and they couldn't bear to see and to hear what was happening before them. It sounds like that experience that Isaiah had when he was called to be a prophet. He had a vision of the Lord sitting on a throne, and he saw angels singing the Sanctus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations and the thresholds shook, and the place was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, I am undone. Woe is me, for I am undone. He knew that the Lord was glorious. He knew that God, the King, was holy. But he couldn't bear to see it so clearly. I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, he said. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. There was an angel there that picked up a coal from the fire from the altar. And he touched it to Isaiah's lips, and he said this. He said, Behold... Your sin is atoned for. This coal has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Add to this terrifying sight of God in his glory. Add to that this overwhelming experience of God's mercy. It was so much to take in. And it's like that for Peter and James and John as well. Peter had gone from never wanting to leave the mountain to falling on his face in terror. But this is the key. As Peter lay there trembling with James and John, Jesus came over, and like that angel, he touched them, and he said, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Peter explained something of what he experienced in our epistle lesson today. He said, we were witnesses, eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter and James and John saw Jesus in his glory. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, Peter says, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. They saw Jesus in his glory. They had known him so far in his humility. Bearing human flesh, having set aside the radiance and majesty of his divine nature. But now they saw him, as we will all see him, in heaven, glorified, shining like the sun, radiant white, and full of light. And Peter thinks at first that he's ready to remain there forever. But then this voice comes from the clouds, and he discovers that he is a man of unclean lips. He is still in the flesh. He is still a sinful human being, and he is terrified. It is just too much. To picture what is going on here, I'd like to use an analogy that we've been using in Bible class. In Bible class on Sunday mornings, we've been studying the Gospel of Mark, and one of the helpful ways to think about what's going on in the Gospel is to imagine the world as a house built by God. God built the house and filled it with creatures and created mankind and called man to be the head of that house. He put everything in order so that life would flourish, and it was all very good. When sin entered the world, that order was destroyed. With Eve listening to the voice of the serpent and Adam listening to the voice of Eve and nobody listening to the voice of God, that beautiful house that was beautifully arranged was turned upside down. Everything was put out of place. Imagine what your house would look like if it were turned upside down and shaken about a bit and then set back in its place. There'd be furniture everywhere, your belongings broken and destroyed, holes in the walls, pipes burst, the electrical shorting out. Nothing would be where it's supposed to be. And an honest appraiser would say that it's a teardown. That is what happened to creation. And that is the world that you live in. Now, you may notice that people really seem to live quite comfortably in this world. They don't seem to notice or mind that everything is out of place. And it's true. People become accustomed to the way things are, and so they don't mind. In fact, because our hearts are equally disordered, we even feel like we're right at home in this sinful world. It also helps that it is a world of darkness. Not only is everything out of place, but it is also dark. You can't really see just how messed up everything is. And so, often it doesn't bother us very much. Now, it is really hard to go about in a house that is dark. You get a taste of this kind of darkness every time the power goes out in the late evening. The sudden and unbreakable darkness is shocking. Everything stops. The sudden and unbreakable darkness fills the rooms you can't see anything. That is, until you pull out your smartphone and flip on the flashlight. And what a relief it is to go from no light at all to even this tiny source of light. It's enough just to see something, to see a few feet in front of you, to see another person, to see your way around all of the obstacles that you know are there. The world is like a house. and life is an attempt to make it around that house in the dark and remember nothing is where it's supposed to be. It's no wonder then that we stumble so often and it is no wonder that people actually love the darkness. It hides the disorder of our hearts and our disordered love of everything that's out of place. Seeing Jesus in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration it's like taking that house and all of a sudden throwing open all of the blinds and flipping on all of the lights all at once. And they're not just your or- ordinary average lights, but they're super bright, daylight, like high noon on a summer day, and they shine into every nook and cranny of that house and into every nook and cranny of your heart. Imagine, you've been traipsing about in the dark and suddenly it's all light. And at first you're happy because you can see. But then you think twice, because what you see is just how out of place everything is, how broken and corrupt, how spoiled and rotten, all the things that you love and find so comfortable. And you see how out of place you are, and it is too much. It's too much to take in. You were blind, stumbling around in the darkness before, but you're just as blind now, blinded by all of this light. At first, Peter was amazed by the glory, but then that voice came, and he realized what all that glory meant, and he was terrified. But remember what the key is. As Peter lay there with James and John, Jesus came over and touched them, saying, Rise, and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. The glory was too much for them. The light was too much for them. At least right now. But that does not mean that they were left to just stumble around in the darkness, because they had Jesus. The cloud was gone, and Moses and Elijah were gone, and the voice had gone silent, and Jesus looked just like himself. He looked like everyone else. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only, which is just what they needed. They had had a glimpse of what is hidden behind the humility of Jesus. They had a glimpse of the glory of his divine nature and the majesty of the triune God. But how glad they must have been to have him again, not in blinding light, not in overwhelming glory, but as a lamp shining in a dark place, enough to see what's in front of them, showing them the way, enlightening them with promises. Fear not. Rise and have no fear. This is what Peter says. We saw the glory. We heard the voice. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. But we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Now is not the time for the blinding glory of God. There will come a day when Christ will return in glory, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, and in his church on earth you are being prepared for that day. But in the meantime, we are not left just to stumble around in the darkness. You have been given the light of the world, Christ himself, the word made flesh, the prophetic word fulfilled. It is not an overwhelming experience. It is not too much to take in. It is just what you need. In fact, it is so ordinary. God's majesty veiled in the mundane, his glory hidden in water and word and bread and wine. It is the light you need to see your way about To avoid the pitfalls of this world, the sin that would ensnare you, the temptation and the danger that would threaten you, it is the light you need to see God's mercy. For the prophetic word that Peter refers to, the word of God that is proclaimed here every Sunday and is in the pages of your Bible and is on your lips and in your hearts, that prophetic word is full of promises, God's promises to you. It is full of the words of Christ. Just as Peter and James and John needed the word of Christ as they laid terrified, Christ saying to them, rise and have no fear, so also you need the word of Christ saying to you day in and day out, your sins are forgiven and your guilt atoned for. And when the day dawns and the morning star rises and the blinds are opened and all the lights are on, we will see Christ in his glory and we will hear his Father's voice and there will be no terror for your sin and your uncleanness will be gone. You will have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Christ, sacrificed for your redemption and raised for your glorification. There will be no need to build tents, to cling to some vision, for God will have put his house in order, and the light of Christ will never fade away. He will be our source of life for eternity. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Hold fast. Pay attention the prophetic word, Christ veiled in human flesh and blood. Hold fast to the words of Scripture and look forward to that day when we say, with Peter and James and John, Lord, it is good to be here. In the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.